0: Relationships are a vehicle for growth and learning and psycho-spiritual evolution. To just lock down into one for the purposes of safety and security stops growth and evolution. Whereas to keep moving, it's it's like a new um, growth opportunity or a new challenge. Coming all the way from Minneapolis to Washington, D.C., we now
1: bring you... into the Freud. Warning. This is for entertainment purposes only. It is no way medical advice. Listen
0: at your own risk. I just was working with this patient last week. And he's like... Um, in this... State that... So many people in our country are in this state now. It's really amazing. People in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Even... People in their 40s and 50s. I have friends in their 50s. I knew one guy in his 60s was in this state where it's kind of like they're dating and then they'll meet someone and they'll be like, oh, I should try to turn this into a long-term relationship. But then the the magic fades and they're like, gosh, am I just supposed to stick this out? Is that what you're supposed to do? Because I'd really like to get back on Tinder and do the dating thing, but... That that's scary and that's stressful and that's hard and maybe like what you to be a good person the thing to do is just to stick in this long term relationship and um, and so then when they're in the long term relationship they're kind of like oh eventually they're like oh I want to go back to dating because my girlfriend's starting to be annoying and she and, and we've started to live together and that sucks and so I want to go dating and then when they're dating they're like oh man dating sucks so bad it's so lonely and it's so like there's so much rejection and it's so painful and I feel like a crack addict on my dating apps all the time and there's all this anxiety and longing, painful longing associated with that. And so they're just kind of lost in this dating relationship uncertainty what to do. And I feel like that state characterizes like a huge percentage of, uh, from age, from like uh, mid-twenties to uh, any time uh, a lot of divorcees in their 40s and even now into the 50s. I, I think it's just a generation. As that generation gets older, there's going to be 70-something-year-olds and 80-something-year-olds in this state eventually.
1: Yeah. Wait, let, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt because I, I have a very brief theory of this. the abundance of dating apps providing a a kind of a overwhelm in what... I think researchers refer to as decision fatigue. It's certainly something that I used to do to myself when I would just like create the the super black ball ultimate profile that would just get everyone would swipe yes to.
0: Right? right. When
1: you when you out you outsmart the entire system and then pretty much you, I literally used to do this, it's terrible to admit, but I would match up with a hundred attractive women and then just delete and start my account again. <laughs> How, why would you do that? I, because of this, there's, a, there's part of what you're talking about. I think this, this goes back to very early on when I was a normal human being before such apps. You would like naturally. I would naturally find within each environment that I was in who was my most likely match and candidate, right? In each class I was in, in each new school that I would go to, right? I would find out. Oh, that's kind of the that's the one that matches up with me and my trajectory.
0: Right. In every coffee shop you go in, you're like, okay, there's my match. In every restaurant you go in, there's my match. You get on a bus in San Francisco, you look around, okay, that, that was my Like match. if
1: the bus goes <laughs> off into some kind of a, a post-apocalyptic scenario and we're the only ones left alive, that's the one I'm with. <laughs> right? (laughs) In that scenario,
0: the bar gets much lower.
1: Well, because sometimes the people around you do not match up with what what you do in the way that you kind of rank within. This is a really weird actual thing to talk about once you get into hypergamy and the certain potential value of what you are compared to your peers. Right. As just measured by a few things like intelligence and looks and whatever your stature is and the way that you present and, and whether you're funny or stupid or whatever, however, however you're comparing. So that is a, a strange thing. It looks like once upon a time, even in my lifetime, in our lifetime, because in case anyone was wondering, Dave and I are exactly the same age. We're one day apart. I don't mean to go on a side note with that, but some, someday we'll get back to that within our lifetimes, it used to just be selecting with your immediate environment, whether it's a restaurant or a new school. And then once you add these apps to your life, then you have just an unreasonable amount of access to single women. And it actually really depends on the stage of development in your life too. Yeah. The, The fact that, I found dating apps in my 30s really was a huge influence because as I watch people attempt to do it in their 20s, it just doesn't get as much traction at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it would be very challenging for someone in their 20s to match up with 100 attractive women, delete, start, and then do it again.
0: Yeah. Like, well, it takes to be you hear guys dating dating apps for guys are really uh rough because it's hard to match with women and what and what i've learned i've been like talking with like bazillion patients about this and a bazillion friends about this that the dating app thing for guys versus women is just like a radically different experience and guys by and large tend to fucking hate it and think it's the most like painful rejection laden thing. But what I've discovered is that there's kind of roughly two categories of guys. There's the guys that don't really focus on dating and attracting women with like a rigor and a seriousness. They, they don't do that. They just kind of are like sitting around on their couch watching football, drinking a beer and eating chips and like Uh, I'll I'll log into Tinder and... God, why are... How come I can't get any ladies? And then there's the guys like you, what you were describing. They are like, all right, I'm going to like study this science and figure this out. And oh, I got to like... Um, go to the gym and eat a certain nutrition and buy certain clothes and comb my hair a certain way and write my profile a certain way and have these pictures on my profile and this. And then they they like master the science of dating and dating apps. And then boom, they can totally just like exploit Tinder. And it's kind of like there's two categories and you're talking about the experience of the Tinder exploiters. But I think most, probably 80% of dudes are in the like, tinder despair category because they're just laying on their couch drinking beer and that's not going to work um but it's i I sort of feel like it's kind of a light switch either they're like knocking it out of the park and it's a it's a super fun thing and you're you were about to go down this road sorry i kind of interrupted you but like for the guys who are who've really like crafted and worked at their whole dating thing i'll give you the mic again it opens up all these possibilities, and that's all that like um is a whole different world view, and it 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 like messes with the man's psyche and worldview and choices and everything in this certain way, which you were about to describe, and then I interrupt you because I think there's all these dudes who don't ever have that experience
1: yeah i because as I kind of approach it as a social scientist and truly began to look at well, what is this phenomenon of dating apps? And as I discovered a a tremendous wealth of information which would massively be abused in the wrong hands. (laughs) (laughs) Abused in the wrong hands like yours? Well, the crime (laughs) that I did was just match up with people and then not go out with them. That's all, Uh like, that's my crime. Right? Because literally after you match with a hundred women and you try to go back through, it's just like, what am I? None of them begin to stand out. They're just like, you can then reduce it down to, okay, who are the top most likely candidates? Okay. 10 of them. Then within those 10, then you're going to go through, okay, well of them, who would I actually want to go out and meet? And of course I did that right. Then I would actually like go to meet them and, see what they're like in person. And sometimes they were awesome and better than you expected. And sometimes they're super weird and it would turn into just like a, some kind of a bizarre, what was that, what was that thing with a Twilight Zone scenario? (laughs) Where, Where, you know, within five minutes they're asking you weird stuff about how sexually attracted you are to them.
0: Wow! And, and
1: how that much, sounds like
0: a fun episode of Twilight Zone. It, it's
1: it's fun and it's kind of freaky because you're just like it's it's really un, unusual to be hit on and for women to come on to you that hard. And it's super. Mm-hmm. It's in a way, it's off-putting because as a guy, it just doesn't happen. No, that is definitely not how life goes. Maybe it does if you're some kind of supermodel, like whatever, Marcus Schenkenberg or whoever that dude, fam- the famous... Maybe maybe some dudes walk around, wh- whoever that soccer player guy is. He might have women do this to him all the time, but for the yeah, normal yeah, I person... Think, I
0: think rich, famous dudes like the Michael Jordans or the Leonardo DiCaprios of the world have that, but I think 99.9% of men never experience that.
1: Yeah, it's super It's super weird, and but really... I want to return. I want to hand the mic back to you because it was kind of your initial thrust into this this okay. domain, right? Okay. So, so where we where does this story go?
0: Okay, so I, it just. I just was. I was trying to like. I was working with this one patient in particular, and I've I've been working in this territory a lot, and I was trying to describe something to him and. we were having trouble like communicating. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna like draw this out. Somehow like a a visual metaphor felt helpful for me. And so I came up with this visual thing. Um, I'll create like a a graphic or something for the YouTube video. Um, So imagine a circle. And on the left side of the circle is dating. Like you're single and you're dating. And on the right side of the circle, is you're in a committed, exclusive relationship, and so what what happens is, uh, is that if you meet someone and kind of quote fall in love, I'm I, I'm putting fall in love in quotes because uh, we could have a whole long discussion about what that means falling in love. But if you when you're dating, if you meet someone and fall in love, you start to travel around the circle and you move up to the top, which I'll call the honeymoon phase. Right? Okay, and then eventually and best that's when life is the best is when you're in the honeymoon phase, it's just like fucking glorious fucking milk and honey joy. It's so great, and that's that's what we all want to where we all want to be in life is in the honeymoon phase, and I think a lot of people idealistically and immaturely kind of think that that's what romantic relationships should be like. And that you should get up into that honeymoon phase where you're just in love and you feel like you found your soulmate. And then the movie ends and you live happily ever after. And people think they want to like, of course everyone wants to, I want to, but they think they can um, stay at the top of the circle. But my theory is that that's biologically, psychologically impossible. And after, and, and there's a lot of, anthropologists of relationships that um their research has shown this is that you can only stay up in that honeymoon phase for well lots of times it ends quickly when you get into some dumb fight or you realize that like the person was not as cool as you had initially thought but best case scenario you can only stay up in there for like a year or two or three i've heard i remember one researcher i think it was helen fisher say that her research suggests that that honeymoon phase lasts 18 to 36 months and so then my theory is the top of that circle, you can't stay there. And so eventually it starts coming down and the honeymoon phase wears off. And then you enter long-term relationship phase. Okay. Um, and, and then some people hang out there for a while or some people, you know, after the honeymoon phase ends, they decide, eh, the chemistry is gone. Let's move on. But eventually, and I don't want to say always – but eventually, so we're on the right side of the circle now, a lot of relationships start to deteriorate. And then the bottom of the circle is the breakup phase, which fucking sucks. The, 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 when the relationship is bad uh, and you're fighting and this and that and you kind of need to break up and you're dealing with the breakup. So the bottom of the circle sucks the worst. That's where humans are the most miserable. Um, and then if the if and when the breakup happens, lots of times people just get stuck in horrible, toxic, negative relationships. But you can't stay there. Just like you can't stay at the honeymoon phase, yes. you also can't stay at the breakup phase. you got to get out of that. So the breakup phase is at the bottom. And then when you break up, you come back into the dating phase. And the theory is that this circle, humans kind of are going around in this circle uh, in life a lot. And, and there's a lot of these anthropologists say that humans are um, serially monogamous are a serially monogamous species that's what we are if you go back and examine all humans across all cultures through all history that we can what you see is that we're serially monogamous and that would be characterized by this circle and that's a different model than the typical uh, model that you that is sort of an unspoken unwritten rule in western culture where like you get met You when you're 23, you find someone, you get married, and you live happily ever after.
1: And that's okay, not yeah. a
0: circle. That's like a that's like a step. That's like a a permanency that everyone wants a permanency. And my theory is kind of that there's this cyclical nature to relationships, and then um, in that circle, you can't stay at. Everyone wants to stay at the top, but you can't. And no one wants to stay at the bottom. And really, you can't. But you can hang out at either of the sides. You can hang out and date forever and do the bachelor life. Yeah. or you can or you can stay in the like lukewarm long- term relationship forever., um, but it's not gonna have the magic of the honeymoon phase. It's just gonna it's kind of gonna be like living with a friend and a roommate, and occasionally you have sex and that's fine. But it's not the honeymoon phase. It's just kind of like a long term, lukewarm, mediocre long-term relationship. And a lot of people are just like, "Cool, that's what I'm going to do because that's what I'm supposed to do."
1: What do you propose is driving the cycle to move? Why why would it why wouldn't it stay in places? And and when you meet people who come to you and you, they tell you that they've been in a certain stage for 10 years, you're right. Particularly a bad one. Yep. It's it's Uh, It's incredibly shocking. But what do you think it is that's driving it? Because I I have an idea that it might be your stages of adult development. Which is obviously something that is never spoken of. Yeah. It's like you go along, you hit puberty where you have this massive physiological transformation where suddenly you, you had a wiener that all it was for is peeing and then now it's this whole different machine that then you are super interested in whatever you identify as being attracted to. Yeah. At this point, it could be anything apparently, but whatever. So yep. you, you're attracted to something and you go after it. But I notice when you're 20, you're, you're really capable of chameleon, like like a chameleon, putting on almost any kind of presentation to make the thing go. But then as you emerge into your later stages of development, into your 40s, and certainly by the time you're 60, there's an internal protest to, to putting on a presentation for the sake of the relationship. It's almost yeah. like that becomes a crime. Yeah. That like, you made me follow these rules for all these years, and, and I am now so mad. You're yep. like, whoa, that was just your contract you made in your 20s. And yep. now you happen to be in your 30s or 40s. Time to make a new contract. Is it,
0: yep. w- would that be like... Totally. And that's I mean, just that you just used this term adult development or adult psychological development or adult maturation. And it's kind of funny. Like you said, you never hear that term. And I, I don't know if you remember... Um, when we were in grad school, we took this class. I think you and I were in the same class, um, and it's often called in psych grad school. It's called lifespan development. Um, and what's notable when you, if you, when you start reading the books and researching in the typical canon of psychological development, like the most famous um, person in that is Piaget, and then Freud had his psychosexual stages, and there's all these. Uh, theorists, but they all, they almost exclusively focus on psychological development from infancy until about adolescence. Correct. And all all the theorists are looking at human psychological development, and they stop looking at it at like age seventeen or something. And it's so absurd. But I do think I do think that fits with what I was saying about this story of humans that. You uh, you grow up, you go to school, you go to college, and then you get married and you have kids and you um, and then you live happily ever after. And for some reason, our culture wants the story to end there with marriage, kids, and a picket fence. They don't want the story to continue. And you're saying you're just by just by saying the word adult development, you're implying the story continues, which it absolutely does. But the fact that our culture doesn't recognize that I think is problematic because I think people don't realize that the story continues. And that kind of fucks with adults when they start moving into these new stages that no one has ever talked about or no one has even acknowledged exist. It's like going into uncharted territory. And oftentimes they start falling headlong. And it's just like a... It's 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 kind of a train wreck because they're in this new territory where there's no map or no paths. That...
1: That's, I think, absolutely important as we continuously seem to point out the missing pieces of the the story of the American dream. Yep. It, or the story of success as an American or success as a professional within the American dream in the culture today, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Like, there is an incredible missing that the the part that you you essentially have to go through stages of development and the the person who talked about it I can't I can't believe I'm back to Wilbur man Ken Wilbur did talk about progressive stages of development that go far beyond the the normal psychological observations of the early crew. He's He definitely talks of the emergence of stages of consciousness that then lead from really narrow type of what, what today people talk about like Trump level of consciousness which is basically just us against them. The most fundamental of we're tribal. Tribal is probably a better description than Trumpian because that dude is just silly but the the tribal uh overwhelming revelation that that there's a lot of people in this this type of we are in a crew and we don't want them to come and mess up our shit. We don't yep. want Chinese taking our stuff and Mexican people taking our jobs and whatever kind of ideas that are out there. Yep. Yep. And that that's like a very beginning stage of development and progresses up and up and up until some type of a universal stage of consciousness, which is what ultimately people aspire to, especially in the, in the, the left far left type of idea that leads into some utopian type of a, then arguably Marxist world that I don't really need to get into, but because Wilbur's not talking about that in a way, it's just like, Hey, this is the reality. And he even made some estimation of what percentage of the population was actually in this universal realm. And it was low. It was below, yeah, 10%, yeah. below 10%, and he believed there was a tipping point at some point. I don't know when, yep. 20 years ago. He thought He thought that the world was headed towards some past 10% tipping point, and then it would cascade, and then everyone would fall into that ability to see that all of our needs were were important and and we yep. were a collective headed in right. in a right. universal they could
0: they could move out of the tribalistic or ethnocentric thing into a more universal or like world centric consciousness perfect Yeah. Yeah. But but we're a long ways from that. The tipping point. I don't know if it's happened yet or we're tipping or whatever. But like, man, we're still very tribalistic, ethnocentric. In fact, there's something about the whole American cultural experiment is we've become. I even think we've gone from less. We used to be tribal centric, right? Like our tribe. And now we've even collapsed into more just a individualistic egocentric thing. Yes. And some of the, and a lot of the there's a certain thing now in 2021 something has happened with the liberal progressive ideology like in theory it's trying to move more towards this world centric thing but I think that something has happened I think Trump and COVID hit like a a a, fe- a primitive fear thing particularly in the left wing and they've really collapsed I think into a more egocentric, individualistic thing, and because everyone's just super judgmental and accusatory about fucking everything these days. When you walk around in the world, so often you'll get some sort of intense, sharp, judgmental moralistic righteous accusatory thing that feels that doesn't feel world-centric or universal at all it feels super hyper individualistic hyper egocentric coming from this liberal world that's supposed to be non-judgmental and preaches tolerance of all people and all ideologies but it's kind of like they've collapsed into the opposite
1: check it out check out the 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 bizarre parallel here, where we're talking about the life cycle of relationships you, in romantic relationships in particular, and yeah. for we are able to to pose that, hey, check it out, uh, the idea that you just hit you you meet your soulmate and then it's just like that's the end stop. You go and you you are united till death, right? That's that was the previous model. Well, there's some new thing happening where. Predominantly most people are in a cycle that repeats in yep. a serial monogamy. That that is predominantly the the approach of today. Yep. And we can we can accept that, even though it's it's not what everybody was told, even in our generation in our lifetimes. Right. Yet here we are looking at society, and it's clearly Wilbur was observing something going out into an expanse, maybe a, a reminiscence, a shadow, a something from the sixties and seventies and whatever was driving his thinking. And then the, the society and worldview collapses during this 2020, 2021 phenomenon. Yep. Whatever you want to call it in relationship to COVID and, and, the the disease model of infectious discussion coming from others to yeah, us totally. causing yeah. some kind of like withdrawal into the most primitive, hey, 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 who am I actually with here? Yeah. Right. And in a sense, that's a story that's, that's never spoken of.
0: Right. Totally.
1: This is not a story that has ever been told in our lifetime. No. And here here it is, maybe not even on our parents. I don't know when the last time this story was told. Yeah. Or or if it was ever told that, hey, by the way, the pendulum swings towards openness and, and universal acceptance, and then whoa, it comes back towards everyone is bad. It's just me and my immediate family. Or yes. in a way, it's me and Texas pride.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that that pendulum, as you say, that's a good thing. And it's sort of like the the terms liberal and conservative are these terms that have been used and they just keep getting reused in different ways. And they started off, I think, more sociological terms and then became more political terms. But that pendulum, I think in more sociological, less political terms, the liberal view is like openness to all and it's more this like universal openness and freedom and i can go out and love everyone and empathize with everyone and i feel safe with everyone but somehow when you open up to the big world eventually you get kicked in the nuts or or, or it's not so much you get kicked in the nuts; like something scares and rattles you at a survival level and then the pendulum goes and the conservative thing is like oh other people are threats um i need to like protect myself and go into a safe space. So it's sort of like safety and self-preservation on one side, um, versus openness and wide openness on the other side. And, And there is this movement when you open up too far, like shit comes in and rattles this, this, the primitive survivalist Uh, vulnerable part in every human and then you have to like close back down and I think the politically liberal in America right now that has happened and they're actually sociologically very conservative right now in their super intense moralistic judgment um and kind of like us versus them these people don't uh you know vote the right way or have the right beliefs or have the right whatever and they're bad people so they're actually doing a sociological very conservative thing which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I I still think you're talking about relationships, right? Yeah, what do you mean? It sounds very much like you're describing the experience of when you start to open up from that tight, monogamous scenario that you've you've developed. And, And as you enter this kind of a plateau stage, after the honeymoon starts to wind down and you get into the doubt, potentially, you start to... To kind of open up to the idea that there could be others, right? You start to notice other attractive people around you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Oh, like and and they what you notice as you do that is some people are receptive to that, which is really yeah. freaky because what are you doing? Are you cheating?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Are,
1: are you some kind of a bad person who's now going to end up in an affair? Is that is that what this means? Because all what what did you do? You just kind of were not getting all of the needs that or, or the recognition that that a person needs. Yeah, you're not receiving that from the, the the current design. So and it could be in in forms of you're not being recognized as a parent or as a lover or as a as a partner, a contributing person in at in the kitchen, whatever. You, you're not getting the right <laughs> amount of recognition for your right. efforts. And so then you start to think, well, like who 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 wants to see me as still desirable? Yep. Who will see right. me as desirable? And so as you go out there looking and you're like, "Whoa, these people, look at that. They there's a little interest going on." And and when your partner observes that you have entered into that realm, that's the threat that it sounds like you're describing.
0: Oh, interesting. Do That's you see interesting that? Interesting parallel. Totally. That's a really cool parallel. You
1: see, you see how suddenly, when the other observes you headed towards this openness, and they're still in in a type of a uh, what? Uh, what did you call it? You you were using those those political previously right. Sociological. A liberal conservative. So I'll, yeah. I'll just kind of repeat yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, go for it. Is,
0: is that is that when a If you're in a monogamous relationship, you're in that more, quote, conservative, self-protective container. And then if one person starts to venture out and starts to open the gates to the broader world, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, they just look through the gates and it starts to look kind of fun out there, that, that that possibility for openness becomes a threat to the monogamous conservative container. And then it can, and then it can polarize in the relationship where one person really tries to clamp down and really goes, quote, conservative, self-protective, tribal centric. And eventually that's probably going to lead the other person to like go out into the quote liberal, open adventure, go out into the new territory. Yeah. Um. So going back into my, the cyclical relationship model, you asked a question a while back that the a, the a, a answer an idea in my head has popped up a couple of times and I just want to say it cuz we're running out of time is you said what drives yeah the the movement in the cycle which yeah. is just a it's a it's a very intriguing question and two kind of opposite ideas have come to mind and I kind of think they're both true um, the one which is less interesting is just sort of the like biological evolutionary is 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 this idea that it's evolutionarily, biologically advantageous for humans to keep moving. It's like, and, and, and evolutionary biologists have said this, I don't think I'm coming up with anything new, is that Uh, A man and a woman meet, they have chemistry, they fall in love, they get an intense dopamine rush in the honeymoon stage, and they just want to shag as much as humanly possible when they're in that state. When you're in the honeymoon state, you just want to have sex constantly, right? It's so great. And so then, historically, obviously that leads to pregnancy. Yeah. And then the honeymoon state can last for eight, between 18 to 36 months, which is enough time for them to stay together and raise the kid until the kid's like a toddler. Um, and in, in, in human most of human history, we were in tribes. And after the kid becomes a toddler, the tribe takes over raising the kid. Basically, after the mom uh, nurses the infant and becomes a toddler, now the other kids and the whole tribe raise the kids. And now the kid doesn't really need this protective... Mother, father, thing in the infancy—they're kind of part of the tribe now. And then it's evolutionary advantageous for the couple to lose interest and go and diversify the gene pool and kind of start anew with a new person. So that's I, the bio. Yeah, I like that. I, that that one I
1: think makes sense to almost anyone if you start to think about how why is this makes sense to evolve over time.
0: Right, bio in terms of evolution. But the more in, the more interesting one is the psychological evolutionary or the spiritual slash soul evolutionary idea. And basically, it's that everything in life, but we're talking about relationships, relationships are a vehicle for growth and learning and psycho-spiritual evolution. And to just lock down into one for the purposes of safety and security stops growth and evolution whereas to keep moving it's all it's like a new um growth opportunity or a new challenge or and 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 the growth opportunity and the challenge also come on the bottom of the circle through the pain Absolutely. and the hard yeah, times yeah. maybe Maybe that's where the most growth and change Absolutely. happens is actually at the bottom of the circle. And so we, none of us want to go to the bottom of so the circle. We want to stay at the top, you know, or we just want to stop the circle in the good place. But the growth, change, evolution, wisdom, you got to go down into the underworldly pain, anger, intense shit to to keep psychological spiritual evolution going. So I sort of like that is my favorite answer to the question of what keeps the cycle going
1: yeah the cycle of romantic relationship or or um, romantic attachment in its waxing and waning between partners yes totally as as you as you love someone and are are intrigued by someone and then a year later you're not so much and then the next year you are again totally, and then you're not so much and then two years later you are again totally in you can be in love with somebody back and forth for 10 years and 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 infatuated or totally that i really like where this has ended up in a almost like a refreshing view of the challenge cuz at first the cycle when you when you mentioned that I didn't like it it was it, I was scared I was like ah oh, don't say these things <laughs> like don't don't talk about this cuz that, that's like not the thing right the story is you 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 find the right person
0: totally we all want to believe that i want that i want to find my perfect soulmate who I'm fucking infinitely happy with for the rest of my life that sounds so fucking great
1: right and then, so the story then goes to you. It, it's your fault. You didn't pick well enough, or you didn't work on yourself. Which you'll hear. You'll hear all kinds of of experts dis- talk about this kinds of, yes. of of techniques. Of you really need to go work on yourself, love yourself before you can be in a relationship and go yes. to towards blame the blame the person and their own faults. As opposed to look at right. how look at how this cycle works and even if you do have the most perfect person for your twenties, once you hit thirties, you two might actually be on a divergent course.
0: Yep. yep. Totally. Actually. Yep. And and people do not want to accept that. They wanna believe these Blaming experts because it's like, oh, there's a way that I can still keep this dream alive of, of living happily ever after. Like that, that, that desire is so fucking powerful in us that it can sell 10 million self-help books and tons of online seminars on how to like find your soulmate and live happily ever after with him or her. Absolutely. I, I think we got to end at that <laughs> and that was I a, I that did. was brilliant <laughs>